the message is preparation beats motivation. And it's easy to get motivated about things, about your spiritual walk. You come hear a good message by pastor or you hear something good on the radio. Or music that's actually blessing you is really good and you get very motivated by it. But then all of a sudden that fades away and you, you tend to drift away from God or drift away from your walk with him. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Having doubts, having our spiritual battle with the enemy, which we all go through, and we all go through doubts, and we all go through these problems that it's uncomfortable to share with people sometimes, but we are commanded to confess our sins to one another. We are commanded to love one another, of course. But why don't these things come easy? Why, is it, why are these things a battle? And it, basically because we don't prepare ourselves we are not in the Word. We think that if we're here Wednesday and Sunday, that's it. I got enough. I'm strong enough. And Well, let me ask you a question. If you want to golden corral and stuff yourself today, you'd be good the whole day, but it's not going to last you the rest of the week. It's the same thing as with the Word of God. You need to have it daily in our lives. And it took me a long time to realize this because when I was growing up, I had a dysfunctional family. And there comes a point in your life where you cannot use the same excuse. Well, I came from a dysfunctional family. I, I came from this, or I had this problem when I was young, or I was abused. I had an abusive father. Abusive. There's a, it comes to a point that you have to grow in the walk with the Lord, and it, re, it requires being prepared. So my question to you tonight, where are you at? Where are you at? And I'm speaking to you collectively and individually as a group, and where are you at in your walk? Is it consistent? If you say you got it all together, you're lying, because even some of the best people, the best pastors, don't have it all together. And a lot of, some of the best pastors and people doubt. In fact, I bought something here that I, I want to share, and this is from Charles Spurgeon, who's probably one of the greatest teachers of our, of, not it's our lifetime, but everyone's heard of Charles Spurgeon. He's one of history's greatest te- teachers, and he, he says in one of his sermons, he says, I think when a man says, I never doubt or I never struggle, it is quite time for us to doubt him. It is quite time for us to begin to say, ah, poor soul, I'm afraid you are not on the road at all. For if you were, you would see so many things in yourself and so much glory in Christ more than you deserve that you would be so much ashamed of yourself as even to say it is too good to be true. He goes on to say in another message, the strong are not always vigorous, the wise are not always ready, the brave are not always courageous, and the joyous are not always happy. The life of Luther might suffice to give a thousand instances, but he was by no means of the weaker sort. He was a very strong Christian who preached very strong messages. But even on his deathbed, he sobbed himself into his last sleep. And also happened with Martin Luther. At one point, the crushing doubt in his calling led to such an intense depression that he wrote, For more than a week I was close to the gates of death and hell. I trembled. People doubt. People have struggles. And it's something we don't talk about on a regular basis because when we come in here, we want to show our good side. We want to put on the nice person, the nice Kevin or the nice Jim or a nice Zayden. And I want to keep my problems that I have or I'm struggling with out of the 
you know, out of the church. When in fact, we should be bringing it into the church. We should be bringing it before the Lord, and we should be having a consistent walk. And this is something I struggle with. I got saved when I was 17. I went to a youth ranch. And I used to think growing up that old people went to church because they sinned their whole life and are trying to get together now so they get to heaven. I, that's what I actually believed for many, many years. I, I actually believed that that was the case. And then I, I just thought, always looked at Christians before I became one myself as hypocrites. And we are. We are hypocrites at times. But in order for us to not drift, we need to be on, in the word and we need to be exercising our faith. And this is where this comes in. Like, it's, like I said, it's easy to get motivated, but it's another thing to prepare. Years ago, I used to coach. And uh, I know some of you here have coached before. I used to be in wrestling. I was pretty good at it. And uh, I coached, and I was assistant at one of the top teams in the nation in New Jersey. And we used to go around and beat up teams all over the place. And we thought we, we were prepared. We, we, would, we wrestled, in fact, a team in South Carolina at the, the Tournament of Champions in St. Edwards, Ohio. And we crushed this team called Rock Hill, like 53 to 6. And then we, we wrestled this team from um, Tennessee. They were the top team in the state. And we were spanking them. By, I don't know if that used to be word, but we were spanking them like unbelievable, like 60 or something. And then we get to, to St. Ed's. St. Ed's at the time was the number one team in the nation. And they, they beat us 33 to 11. Now, you might look at that and say, man, well, they, they kind of really did spank you too. But we lost like six bouts or 12 weight classes by like one point. In fact, one of our kids, who was a really cocky kid, and, and this the same kid would be in the back of practice, and I used to do this myself, when you can't see in the back and you do jumping jacks, he would be just there like this just so you could see his arm. Like, it looks like he's doing jumping jacks. So he would skip out on things. And this correlates with how we do our life. We skip out on things. Well, I can just do a 10-second prayer before I go to bed tonight. Or maybe just, if I come, you know, Wednesday night, put a big smile on my face, I'm walking with the Lord. You, can't, you cannot be genuine doing that. <clears throat> and the thing about this one kid, he was winning, and then he got pinned. And he, when he got pinned, he said that I wasn't there. It was the other coach who told me this. He goes, Coach, did you see that? Did you see that sign? And there's a sign above the mat that you can only see if you're on your back. So if you're on your back, and sometimes we can only see a sign when we're on our back. And the sign said, preparation beats motivation. And this team was wickedly good. And so what what did we learn as a team that day? That just because you think you have it all together, you don't know your opponent. And we don't know our opponent sometimes because the devil seeks about to devour us on a regular basis. He does seek to devour us, and we constantly need to be in preparation for that. Not that we're never going to fall again. Not that we're never going to have a a problem with something again. But when these trials do come up, we're prepared for them. The reason why we go through these trials, or people go through cancer or goes through other things. It said that that person who goes through it is able to comfort somebody who's gone through the same thing. Now you said, I went through that. 
I know how to comfort you. So how do we react when we get our first trial? We, sometimes we just, oh, that's it, I'm done. And we had a kid that wanted to quit because he got beat. The kid was undefeated and he got beat by a kid that had five losses. He wanted to quit. Really, you want to quit. So how does that correlate with us? Do we want to quit sometimes? Yeah, we do want to quit. Um, James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. I want to start here with the verses. It says, what does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and you you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Verse 17. Thus also faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. Now, when you look at this verse, well, wait a minute, I thought we were saved by grace, and we know it's not of works, but lest any man should boast. Obviously, the book of James, if you look at the first chapter, is speaking to believers, those who are already saved. And he explained to them, guys, you just can't get by, keep doing this, just saying, yeah, yeah, I'm saved. Go in peace, man, God's with you, unless you're doing something. So the faith requires works, and our works should be look we should be available the heart of availability sometimes we, we can go through life and well i want to serve the lord but i don't know what to do just to have being a, a heart of availability is the right place to be the heart to want to serve him the heart to want to do the things which his word tells us to do because that's where we get strength but someone will say verse um, 18 someone will say you have faith and i have works Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. James is talking to them now. So you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Yeah, God told him to do it. He goes, yes, Lord, do it. He actually went through the physical motion of bringing Isaac to the altar. We have to do the same. We actually have to go through the motions of doing it. If we see an opportunity to do good, do it. Just don't sit back. Yeah, brother, I'll pray for you. Five-second prayer. Because sometimes, And that's good that we do pray for him if it's earnest and if it's sincere. But sometimes it's not always sincere. Sometimes it's like we're, we're occupied with something or distracted by something else that we just tend to go, all right, I'm going to pray for you, and then you forget all about it. And then that person's with that prayer, and things don't happen. We need to be more accountable. Verse 23. And the scriptures was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, what was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Can't emphasize this enough. I feel myself convicted about this because I was wondering when pastor asked me, to speak to so what should I speak on? In the last couple of days, I've been ha- 
gone through some trials myself of me being genuine in my faith and in my, my service and my, and my love. And sometimes you have, we have to check our, ourselves. Where are we at? Are, are we farther along this year than we were this time last year? J.J. was speaking on 1 Corinthians the other day and just how bad the Corinthian church was. He says they were fed with milk and not meat. They were, why? Because they were babes in Christ. Sometimes we, in certain areas, can be babes in Christ. Now, I've been saved since I was 17, and the length of you being saved has nothing to do with your maturity. You could be saved for three months and be more, more mature than someone who's been in it for 40, 50 years. So we have to be accountable. We have to be on top of things. Uh, another verse I had here, Colossians 4.2. Continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Now, I read this, and sometimes when you know how you read a verse, you just pass right through it. Okay, yeah, 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 okay. And like you just nod your head and go. Two, word, two key words uh, reached out to me here. Earnestly. And vigilant. Sometimes we think that the only place we can pray is when you get home and in your closet or in your bedroom or before you eat a meal or something. I pray when I when I am driving. If I'm if I see something or something that that somebody needs help or I think about something that comes to my mind, I want to pray for that person. And I need to do it more consistently. But I do do that, and I, I want to do it more. So we, we come to the, to the part where, the, okay, how do we exercise our faith? And Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And again, if faith without works is dead, then basically it's saying to us Christians, with our faith without our works is impossible to please God. If we're just saying, yeah, brother, I believe, yeah, hallelujah, you know, I believe, then we, we need to reconsider it. We need to reevaluate ourselves. I used to, uh, when I first became a Christian, well, have all the bumper stickers and all, Jesus loves you, honk if you love Jesus and stuff like that. And it's just a show, and it, and it wasn't genuine. I got it because, well, I'm a new Christian, so I think I'll have these things to let people know that I'm a Christian. How you let people know that you're a Christian is by doing good things to people, is to live it, to do it. And this is what we struggle with. And even everybody here, you think Mike, Pastor Mike does not have this struggle? You think all these pastors in these other churches do not have this struggle? They rely on our prayers. They certainly do rely on our prayers, and they do go through a struggle. I've talked to, to people, pastors and friends I've had back in Jersey, and they go through struggles. You wouldn't believe when you're put in charge, you go through some spiritual battles. And if you're not prepared for these spiritual battles, you're going to beat, get beat all over the place. It's like going out into a snowstorm with a T-shirt on because you are not ready for the battle. All right, bear with me here. So we're going to go back to the original question, 1 Corinthians. This, this is what hit me the other day. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. 
This is after they're getting ready to do communion. It says, but, a lamp, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I was getting ready to do communion one time, and I knew a brother who I thought was very strong in the Lord, and we were getting ready to do that. And he let the, pa- the cup pass. And I'm sitting in the back, and I'm like, you're not taking communion, dude? But when I thought about that, I have very much respect and honor for this man because he knew there was something he had to get straightened out in his life. Just as we all, we know we have things that are problems. The Bible says there's a sin that so easily besets us. And sometimes we know what it is. Sometimes we need a brother to tell us what it is. Sometimes we need to be confronted I know one of my problems is I like to joke around. I'm known as a, as a, as a funny guy, busting, but I need to keep that in check from time to time. I cannot constantly go off cracking one-liners just because I'm from Jersey. I'll have a few after I'm done, but <laughs> you just can't keep doing it. You, you, you have to be obedient. I remember when Mike was saying that obe- when we were teaching First Samuel, obedience is better than sacrifice. So we could sacrifice... Oh, I'm going to, I'll be at church Sunday. You know, I'm giving this up. You know, there's a football game, but I'll be there. Or I'll be there Wednesday night. There's, there's a wrestling match or something, but I'll be there. Your heart's not ready. You're doing it out of works or guilt. And just like in a marriage, you have to be sincere. God knows, if, and I can't be sincere to my wife unless I can be sincere to God first. And that's, I'm not a, reg, a real good person kind of like pastor mike who can show his feelings and his emotions i i hold him just the way i am and only god can break that through me only god can make pastor mike a guy who wants to go out and give somebody a hug that's not him but there's some other people in her that is you we're all different we're all different parts of the body we all have different gifts and we need to exercise them if we're all blessed with gifts but are we all using the gifts that we're blessed with? Do we even know that we have a certain gift? Have we asked God that we do, do we have this gift? And I, th- I don't think a lot of us are. In fact, I'm trying to wonder where John and John three two. I want to turn there for for a second. I want to go back to if you're not feeling any of this or you're not feeling any conviction, are you a fan? Or are you a follower of Christ? In John 3, it says, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, he's talking about Nicodemus here, who was a member of the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, very strict. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Now what sticks out is why did he come to him at night? He's not, I believe he does get saved, and the book of Acts will confirm that he, later on in life he does get saved. But at this certain time, he's just a fan. Or I wouldn't even describe it as a fan. I would just, he's intrigued. What is this person about? I need to know more about him. And he's a Pharisee, and he's a, so, which is a good thing. The Spirit's moving on him. And Ravi Zacharias has had a book that's called, Has Christianity Failed You? And people come to church or come to God for the wrong reason. They're coming to get healed or they, they want something or they, they want something from, from God, but they, they don't want him. 
You know, and I find myself, I want something from my wife, Mary, but I got to be more genuine with her. And I need to be more genuine with God. And it convicts me. So are you a fan or are you a follower? So ask yourself, are you a fan or are you a follower? And then Luke 10, 27. So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. How many times have we looked past that verse and just, yeah, you're right. But when you break it apart, do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? Ugh. It's a tough one. Maybe at times when, when we're down on our knees or we're, we just went through a big trial or we just see somebody that you love dearly get die or, or come down with something, we're, we're, we're genuine with them. But do we do it on a regular basis? No, we don't. With all our soul, with our strength, and with all our mind, that's everything you can think of. Do we tremble? Do we really know who we have as, as a Savior? Do we actually know what's in store for us as believers? And do we want to keep it to ourselves? Sometimes we act that's well, I'm going to heaven when I die. I hope the rapture comes now. I have brothers that aren't saved. I have my son and my daughter who are not, are not attending church right now. And I want them to be saved. I'm pretty sure my son is. I'm not 100% sure about my daughter. Of course, you've heard me praying for my brother constantly. And our prayers in here, we hear them constantly. But we need to think of the Lord when it comes to the gospel, we have a commission, commission to get the gospel out, and we need to be obedient in that. So again, is it genuine? So how do we measure it? So in First Peter three sixteen and 19, it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I doubt if we would do that, but who knows? No matter where you're at tonight, it doesn't matter because confession with its a sincere heart and mind, God will work through you. If you look at Peter's life, he, he went from denying Christ, cutting a guard's ear off, to getting ready to be crucified upside down and with chains on both sides the night before, falling fast asleep, that the guards couldn't wake him. He had no stress or worry about it at all. Now, how can a person go through that, get changed like that? You can't only through obedience and knowing him. Can that happen? And it can happen. If it happened in their lives, it can happen in your life too. The same grace and works that happened in their lives is still available today. All right, so how do we, that we come to the question, how do we become obedient? So let's go to 1 John 1. 16 through 19. It says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and he also ought to lay down his, our life for the brethren. 1 John 4, 7 through 19. All right, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So if we do not love, if we do not show by our actions, we don't know God. So we have to examine ourselves, are we truly saved? 
Because if we're truly saved, we're going to feel the convictions in us. We're going to feel the want to help others. To feel If we're convicted about it, first of all, you're saved. Because you wouldn't be convicted if, if not. So again, we're saved by grace through faith. Don't forget that. And it's salvation, not probation. If you're truly saved, you cannot lose it. All right. So 1 John 4, 7 through 19. In this is love. God was manifested to us that God had sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's not easy to do. Especially some people, you know, Paul didn't get along with Barnabas. I'm sure he loved him, but it doesn't mean that you're going to get along with everybody. Some people, I get on people's nerves because of the, the way I am, you know, the Jersey guy or whatever. I do. And I'm sure other people can get on people's nerves too. Every, every, people clash. There's different personalities, but we still are commanded to love each other, and especially those who are without Christ. We look around, we're so distracted today about what's going on in the world that, and we want to see ISIS on us, and I've talked about this in my last message, and we, we hate these people. And, you know, same thing with Jonah. He hated these, the Ninevites. He wanted them all dead. And he got mad because God wanted to give him, shall I not have that compassion on these people? We are to love the, the unlovely, to pray for the lost. And we don't do it because it's not in our nature. So, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in him. And we have known and believed that the love of God has for us, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God. God has been perfected among us in this way that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18 There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, and he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Just a side note here, I want to throw this in for another child. There was a for no extra charge, there was a, a lady from my old church, and she was kind of like Pam, liked to do things for people, write cards and stuff. So she would always write cards, and she knew all these verses. She would put these verses down and and just send out the card, and everyone, oh, that's so nice, you know. Well, a friend of hers was getting married, and she could not attend the wedding. And she put, she meant to put down First John 4.18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. But instead of putting first John, she just put John 4.18. And that verse says, For you have had five husbands, and the husbands you are with now is not your husband. <laughs> so could you imagine the mistake of seeing that with a friend? It just shows that you have to be very meticulous when you're dealing with Scripture, with the Word of God. Even though you can be sincere, you can be sincerely wrong. And we kind of laughed. I'm trying not to laugh with it at the thing, but you can make mistakes like that. And I thought that was funny. I had one to throw that in there for no extra charge. So we cannot continue to live like this as an excuse. Again, the Corinthian church was a prime example. Paul had to 
when he first went to them, he didn't come blasting them like he did the Galatians or anything. He came with love and with a, a spirit of gentleness and telling them, this is what you're doing wrong. This is, this is you need to be growing. You should, you know, I fed you with milk, not with meat. You need, you need to grow. <clears throat> so why then, we come to the question, why then do we struggle? Well, Galatians 5.17 points this out. It says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so you do not do the things that you wish. The problem is we take this and we say, Oh, yeah, see, that's the problem. We, we're good. You know, we're justified. Yes, we are justified. But we cannot use this verse as an excuse because, yes, our flesh draws no good thing. We, everybody here is capable of doing whatever you think that you, you are not capable of doing. If you remember in 1 Samuel, Dan, David was going through so many great things, always praising God, always doing the right thing, and then one afternoon, looking out on the balcony, boom, one sin led to another, and then once you, once you justify one, they all, they all fall in, and you, don't, and you don't even know it, and you drift. So we've got to watch about drifting. The, the thing about drifting is you don't know that you drifted until you're already out there. Picture yourself in, in a boat and you're talking to somebody and someone takes a line off you. You're just sitting there for a second. You're up against the dock. Now all of a sudden, you're out here. You don't realize it until somebody, hey, we drifted. And it's the same way in our life. Hey, I drifted a little bit. I need to get back on course. And this is why Paul says in Romans that I die daily. Because he knows, he considered himself the chief of all sinners. And we look at him as the greatest Christian there ever was. But he says he was the chief. Remember what he did. He persecuted the church. So no matter what sin you've had in your past life, what struggles you're going through now, you can have it forgiven if you're sincere and genuine with the Lord and he can change you. Only he can change you. You cannot change yourself. You can't do it of yourself. So we need to exercise our spiritual gifts just like my wrestlers need to exercise their talents. In Romans 12, 6 through 8, having then diff- gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophecy in proportion to our faith. So we need to exercise them. We just, we just can't say... You know, have our five-minute prayer before we go to bed. And, I, and I'm guilty of this because I'm tired. I just worked a 12-hour shift, and I hit the, hit the bed. And I'm like, Father, forgive me for something. Help me do this. And you're off. We need to be more genuine, more engaged, because the time is short. We need to redeem the time. We need to be thinking of those who are lost, those who need Jesus, and those who are struggling. But how do we know if someone's struggling unless they tell you? Unless we can see it. And some, do, we, do we go up to somebody and say, is everything okay, brother? Or sister or whatever. Do we, do we do that? Sometimes I see people after church, after our prayer, they'll be huddled up together. And that encourages me because that shows a genuine care for each other. And that, to me, is genuine faith. And I want more of that in my life. 
I don't want to be known as the guy who cracks one-liners all the time. I want to be, say, compared to this year and last year, I'm worlds apart. So, yeah, you could have um, an addiction or whatever it is it is, but give it to the Lord and be amongst friends who can sharpen iron because you have iron because you have the Word of God. So, let me get to our last part here. And it says, exercise in our faith, Hebrews 11.6. But again, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he comes to God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Just don't take the part that you're getting a reward. Diligently seek him because you know that he is the answer to all things. He is the answer to life, to your problems, to whatever it is you're going through, raising your kids, raising your family. Your kids were grown up out of it. I have a 36, my son turned 36 today. I have a son that I, I pray for. I, I pray for him constantly. My, I have a daughter who wants nothing to do with the, the Lord right now. I need to be diligently seeking him for that with all sincerity. So I'm going to close with, with some things that will help you in exercising your faith, just like it helped my wrestlers prepare. First of all, know your opponent. The devil seeks whom he, whom he may destroy. He roams throughout the earth knowing he knows your weakness. Just like my wrestlers, they knew, they scouted us. They knew our weakness, some of our weaknesses. And then we started scouting other people, so we know their weaknesses. A good coach coaches after a win. Most coaches, they get a win and say, okay. Where you did good, man. Praise God. You have five. Let's go again next week. And then after they lose, then they coach. But good coaching, and I learned this, is always good. It was pointing out the things they could have done better after a win. It was usually right after a win is that's when that battle comes. That's when the attack comes. So today, when we get this attack, we know that if we seek him, he's going to help us here. So first of all, how... I have some things, if you want to write them down, mark them down, it's fine. But these are things that are going to help me, and they're going to help you too. Be genuine. Be genuine in your, in your love for, for the Lord. Repent often when needed. Make it sincere. Pray often. Whether you're you know, in the car driving, whatever. Give thanks daily. Sometimes our prayer life is just request. Lord, I need this. I, we got the ATM, God. I need this. I need this. And uh, uh, Please pray for those in our nation. And we're so distracted. We're so distracted. Again, 1 Peter 5, 8. I want to go to here real quick. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Now take that and, and live it. Because he does. And he attacks. I mean, I get attacks constantly. You think that you're the only one that has these, these things come into your mind, of these, these things that you don't want into your mind, these thoughts. Everyone goes through that. If you're, if you, we have battles that people don't realize that we have. That we're, You're not going to come and share them. Because I don't want anybody to know about that. But we all deal with this stuff. We all deal with these thoughts that we shouldn't have or these, these 
thing to think about things that we shouldn't think about, and we have to put a stop to it. We, we know, when the devil reminds us of our past, remind him of his future and get on your knees. So when you have the opportunity to do good, do it. Hate your weakness. Provide no provision for the flesh. Fellowship often. I can't emphasize this one enough. We have to be amongst each other because we're weak. We need each other. People say, well, I can do church. At home. I can listen to it on broadcast. It's good. No, you need to, to lay hands on people. You need to be with people. You need to be understanding what their problems are. And we are to confess our sins one to another. A lot of people go over that, well, I don't want to do that. Well, yeah, we, we should. You're not, not up here, I'm not going to say, well, I have this problem here and, and tell everybody here. One to another. Amongst a friend who's not a gossiper, who's strong in the Lord, let them know. I'm thankful I had Don as a, as a friend. I'm sorry to say him leave, but we, we confess things that are problems that we had through our life together. And I'm thankful for that. Bring your... Bring your faults out. Don't pretend you're a super Christian or you got it all together because you're going to get knocked down. Confess your sins to one another. Feed into the word daily. Starve the flesh. And I want to close with this one, one quote I got from John MacArthur. You are the only Bible that some people will ever read. Even Christians. You could be the only, you could be any time... I've been through churches where they don't even go through the Bible. They just have the message, and it sounds like a good message, but it's not from the Word. So again, be the Bible. Be Jesus to others. We're going to close out the rest of this hour, what we have in uh, intercessory prayer. And let's be sincere and be vigilant in doing it often. Father, our God, we thank you for your love. We thank the Lord that tonight you spoke through me. And it's not about me entertaining, but it's about giving the glory and honor to you. For no matter whose the vessel is, Lord, you can use it. We're thankful for that tonight, Lord. Amen.